So think about your pitch in terms of a story. The other thing from a very strategic standpoint, because I love the strategy just as much, is always ask for feedback. So if you don't hear back... Mm. Go back again for a second or third time. Journalists are busy. If you don't get in on the first try, you may get in on the second. You may get in on the third. And if they come back and say, you know, big fat no, ask them why. You will get so much intel. Like I'm in the middle of... it's actually kind of annoying, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a national campaign with a client and I'm actually doing part of the pitching and the production work with the producers nationwide. And I'm also hosting because it just aligns that I should be the host. But there's one news outlet where we have had to go back with the original pitch three times. So if you think that like the pros like me don't have to revise their pitch, we have to revise our pitches hmm. all the time. Oh my goodness. Welcome to the Juicy CEO Podcast. Listen, it's time to give you some hard truths, so sit up and pay attention. If you don't know how to stand out online today, you have already lost. In order to create credibility, influence, and real staying power, you have to build a personal brand with some juice. So join me, personal brand strategist, coach, and breast cancer survivor, Monique Bryan, each Wednesday morning as I teach you all the tips and tricks I use to build my six-figure brand while in remission. It's time for you to get to that juicy CEO status by learning from some badass women in business who've been where you are, showing you that juicy CEOs are made, not born. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to get into the juice. I am so excited to have this conversation coming up, people, because me and our guest have become fast friends offline, and I just love her energy and her spunk and her expertise, and she's not only a regular on-air TV expert, but she teaches other experts how to do that as well. So let me tell you a little bit about this juicy CEO. Erin Trafford is a story and content strategist specializing in helping entrepreneurs and small businesses find and tell their stories in a way that feels good and grows their bottom line. She is an award-winning journalist, blogger, consultant, and CEO of Erin Trafford Story and Strategy. She has worked with dozens of brands across North America. I'm talking about Giant Tiger, Home Hardware, Manual Life Bank, and Staples Canada. She has also recently launched something super interesting. It's called the Story Studio Network. This is backed by a team of award-winning executive producers, major network journalists, and experienced audio engineers. This is a full service for industry leaders who want to build their brand through podcasting. And I cannot wait to hear all about it. Welcome, Erin, to the show. Choom, choom, choom. Oh my goodness, best intro ever. I have to tell you, I just, I binge listened to your show today while I was doing my hair before we hopped on. And I just listened to your episode about imposter syndrome. And I was like, damn, that was a good episode. And then that intro that you just did, like, blew mine up. So that was good. Oh, I'm feeling, great. I'm, good. I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I love it. I, I think you just have such, I mean, you're going to get to share, but I'm just like, I just feel like your, your background is so extensive and all the things that you do. And I remember the first time we had a conversation and you were just, I don't know. I just, you know, when you meet people, you're like, she's such an expert. Like she really knows the things that you know, you know, and you're like, 
really like, I'm going to even say, you're just like grounded in them. That's what it was. You were just convicted. Yeah. You're like, no, 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 Monique, listen, this is what I need to tell you about story. <laughs> this is what I need to tell you about podcasting. This is what I need to tell you about Pinterest. Okay. This is what people don't know. And her face, your face even went like serious when you were doing it. I was like, she is about her shit. And I love that. <laughs> funny because I, I'm often told, I mean, talk about my broadcasting career. I started on the air. I mean, if we're really being silly about it when I was three years old, but my first on-air gig, I was 16 and I was working oh, wow. in Toronto at a radio station. Some of you may know currently called AM 640. Back then it was called Talk 640. And in any event, I was 16. So, and I, and I was on the air until I was 32 and, and I left the business and we can talk about that in a bit, but I've always been told that my face is wasted because I use it for radio, but it's because I like talk with my face. So when Me I transitioned too. off of being on the radio to being more visual or being on Zoom with people, I'm like, oh my God, she knows what I'm thinking just by looking at my face. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I literally had someone tell me that yesterday I was on this yeah. group call and I was talking about just like how my, I find my energy and like, I can't really hide a lot of my emotions. People can tell when I'm thinking, when I'm excited, when my eyes light up, when I'm not happy, when you should get out of the way, when you do not want none of this, like yeah. all of that. Like, I feel like I was yeah. meant for television. <laughs> personally. <laughs> it's, it's possible. I mean, here, when I made the transition from radio to television, though, the news director and the program director at the, at the TV station I was working at, they made me do a bunch of air checks sitting on my hands because I had to get over the fact that when I'm on the radio and part of really being a good storyteller is embodying what you're doing. So I use my physicality to convey sounds with my voice. It's just naturally how I do it. Like you should be able to hear a smile. You should be able to feel the energy. So I use my shoulders. I use my hands. And then all of a sudden they put me on as a network TV anchor and they're like, yeah, can't use your hands like that Trafford. Like you got to keep your hands on the desk. And I was like, hot damn, like this is really hard. So there were, there were, we would do air checks and like almost to the point of putting duct tape on my hands so that I could like learn how to not Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm such a hand, arm, body, physicality speaker as well. So, okay. Mm. I just already feel like we're going to get all of the tips and the tricks on how to like one convey what we need to say when they can't see us, but then there Mm. is the, when they can see us. So I would love it. Like you've already told us, like you've been, we need to talk about you were on the air at three years old. I know your family, like you come from, like, this is in your blood guys. Like we're not just talking about somebody who does on air stuff. Like this is your upbringing. This is who you are. So I would love if you told people like where you started, because I find it super interesting. Yeah. So I grew up in Toronto. I was born in Toronto, raised in Toronto, went to U of T, all those things. And I now live on the East coast because I ran away like every 25 year old does. And then I found my husband and I stayed here, but yeah, talk about a pedigree. Like my dad still works in Toronto. So he started, he actually petitioned the CRTC, which for the American listeners is like the, the official regulating body for broadcasters in Canada. The year I was born to open his first radio station. So wow. he birthed his radio career the year that I was born. So I quite literally grew up with radio and some of the absolute greatest broadcasters in North America around me. So, you know, there's pictures of me as a little kid, quite literally sitting under the desk as newscasts were being delivered and and so on and so forth. So so it is in my blood. And I think in some ways that's a blessing and in some ways that's a curse because mm. To what you said at the beginning, like you feel like I know so much and there's just stuff that I know that when I pivoted from being in the industry to building my own 
industry or being my own thing, I really had to peel back some of that onion and get in touch with, okay, I actually do know this. Like when it's in your blood for so long, you kind of forget, you don't know what you know, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a really big lesson for me as an entrepreneur is coming to grips with that. Like, this is actually what I'm really stinking good at. So um, Mm. yeah. Because it's yeah. because you're around it, because it becomes second nature to you. It's like you don't even know what your zone of genius. Yes. yes. Right. Because I've been doing it for so long. And I, I remember and I ha- it's funny because we just renovated my my office. So I've been cleaning files and kind of getting all the storage boxes, you know, put in place. And I came across my first portfolio ever. And it was from the 12th grade, 11th grade, my co-op position. And of course, I had the coolest one because I went out there like that kid. And even at that point, I knew how to pitch. It's so funny. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I was pitching myself. And I went to every single radio station and I didn't ask my dad for help. And I could have. I could have used nepotism, but I didn't. I pitched every single news director at every single radio station in the city. And one of them took my call and they they brought me in and I did a six-month internship. And anyway, I found all of the stuff that I did back then and all the notes I was writing. And it was like in my little, you know, grade 12 handwriting. And Monique, I, it brought me to tears because written in the corner of one of those things, and it was on one of those old printers, like, you know, those little printers that would go like, like one of those printers for you young kids out there. Yeah. They don't know what that is, but the rest of us do. Like it was like some random printed note and it said, the story matters more than anything. And then I had written this little poem to the concept of story. And it was like, I do this because of the story. I am here to tell the story. Story is what matters. Tell the truth and never be boring. And I was probably 16 when I wrote that. Oh my and- God. That is what I found written in chicken scratch on these, the back of these documents. So I kept it and I was, I showed my husband, I was like, holy man, like I was enlightened at 16. And it, you know, I, I went through another 16 years in the business and it pounded that knowledge out of me. And only mm-hmm. once I became an entrepreneur did I realize, you know, this is really the guts of what I am now. Tell the truth, never be boring and story trumps everything. Like that's, yeah, we just like, listen, we need to like print that out and frame it. Okay. Because I love, love, love that. So talk to me about then the telling the truth and the story trumps everything, because I find people have a really difficult time telling their own story, let alone another Mm -hmm. story. And I know this is something you teach. So what would be some of the advice you would give to people who are like, even before the advice, I was like, what makes what makes a great story? Yeah, I mean, there's the mechanics of a story. So some people are just some people have great stories, but they need to tell them better. And I think that that's mm. most business owners. So there's a difference between like the mechanics of a great story and a story well told. That's kind of the phrase I use. Mm. This is a good story well told. And that's where a producer can really come in handy. And that's why, you know, I started my production house is because I thought business owners need access to good ears and minds who can take their stories and turn them into well-told stories. But then there's also the difference with recognizing what is your story, right? There's two Mm. things going on there. And both of those represent blocks, I think, for new entrepreneurs, or even as you're scaling, or as you're really trying to figure out, as you're up-leveling, these tend to come up. So the mechanics, that's easy. That's easy. You can actually teach someone the mechanics of story writing and storytelling. It's 
you know, you know, the hero's journey, like it's that whole thing. It has to have mm-hmm. an arc. It has to have a setting. It has to have, you know, you need to, I say, you need to have some skin in the game. There's got to be some kind of tension. Cause if you have no tension, it it's doesn't, a, it's not what's a story. Happening. <laughs> and then there has to be some sort of redemption. There has to be some sort of flip point where the character realizes something new, something shifts. And then the conclusion is, you know, as per fairy tales, the lesson or the outcome, right? Like there's, you you can kind of put it into blocks like that. And when you're learning story, I say exercise that muscle, because if you start with the mechanics and you get that nailed down, then you can start to have fun with it. I mean, I liken it always to like a jazz player, like Oscar Peterson, right? Rest in peace. God love him. Freaking Great. I saw him at the Hummingbird Center, sadly, with my ex-boyfriend, who I really don't like. <laughs> the memory is attached to the wrong person. But I always think of him because I think, you know, he plays with the same 88 keys that everybody else has. And I'm convinced that when he was a young boy, he learned the mechanics of his piano. He knows mm. how to actually play the piano. And then as his brilliance came out he learned how to have fun with those keys and do things that nobody else could do so that he became one of the greats. So I say, your story is the same thing. You can learn the mechanics of how to tell it. And that that will make you very competent. It'll make you attractive. You'll feel confident. And then once you reach that point, turn up the dial and start to have fun with what you're doing. Mm. And that's where you're going to, you're going to shine like a freaking diamond every damn time. I also say it's an art and a science, right? Like I can teach you. I can, sh- I teach by showing, right? I can't teach. I can't pull it out of you. It's like bringing mm-hmm. a horse to water. You got to want to go there. And and something I also think Monique is really important to talk about is that there is a difference between authentically telling your story and then being vulnerable, right? Please tell me the difference. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you, have you read Dare to Lead by Brene, Brene Brown? So she talks a lot about this in that book and I realized how alike my philosophy is to her. And it's funny because I only really discovered her like in the last six months. But the concept of vulnerability requires courage. To be vulnerable is to actually open yourself up in a way that is courageous. And mm. why it's it's often misused online, especially on Instagram, is because When we act vulnerably or we show up vulnerably without consideration for the emotion we're triggering in the other person, we fail to create true connection. And that is the beauty of story. I mean, we have kind of glossed over that. But the whole point of using story in your business is to activate your vortex of people, your clients, your prospects, whatever, on an emotional level. So if you are being vulnerable and only looking to the end of your own nose and not thinking about how that's at what emotion that's triggering on the other side, you're kind of screwing the pooch. Like it's mm. not going to do you any favors. So I always challenge you think about this. Am I being authentically vulnerable right now? Or am I being vulnerable for sake of garnering a reaction like pity or like, I feel sorry for that person. Mm-hmm. Right. This it's is a- good. This, And I think this is, <laughs> This is something that it's a common, it's a very common question I get. It's like the, how much do you share? How vulnerable do you be? If I'm not sharing everything, am I being inauthentic? And I think you just like summed it up just perfectly. It's not thinking about the other person on the receiving end of that, Mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, using social media, a lot of, you know, everybody listening is either in business, starting a business or thinking about starting a business. 
at the end of the day, it always comes back to who's on the other end of that, who's receiving the information we're putting out there. It's not for us. It's about us. It's about our business. It's about who we want to help, but it's for the other person. So I love that you really like made that just super clear for me. Okay. Nobody needs to ask me that question anymore because now they know <laughs> yeah. like it's right there. Right. Well, like you do, you do it really well. Like even in the intro to your show, you talk about being a cancer survivor and building a business in remission. And if I can just use that as a shining example, when I listen to that, I receive the power that you intended to convey through that story versus if you used it, you know, part of the phrase as more of a sob story, like, oh, woe is me. This was so damn hard. You should pay attention to me because I am coming at this from a place of fealty and scarcity to my my experience versus you flip that script just in that the way you delivered that phrase. Thank you for that. It is a conversation I have with certain people around like the, and a conversation with myself, right? Where I'm just like, how, how often am I going to speak about this piece of my mm. life? And I said, there's a couple of reasons why I do that. One is because when I was diagnosed, no one around me had even breathed the word cancer, breast cancer. And I was like, why didn't anyone tell me about this? And I said, there's no way I'm going to have another person in my life not know about it because I wasn't vocal about it. So on a personal level, it's important to me. But then on the other side, I want people to get just, you know, whatever happens to you, you are not that thing. You Mm -hmm. can be any, you know, so many things can arise from that one circumstance that it's, it can be fleeting. Like, thank God it was for me. Right. And now what are you going to do? Now, now, what are you going to do now, knowing that your time may be cut short or you don't have all the time in the world? So thank you for sharing that and using that as an example, because that also just reinforces for myself, just like, oh, yeah, why am I talking about it still? It's like, no, right. I'm probably always going to talk about it. I need my own reminder. And I want to remind people we're out to like take over the world, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amen. Amen. We are ready to dominate. Yeah. Okay. So you were talking about, I would love to talk a little bit about this pitching aspect that mm-hmm. you already knew at the age of 16 how to freaking do this but I'm sure you've learned new tips and tricks as you've you know as you've expanded and grown but that's a big question that people ask me around like what how do I go out and pitch what I need to pitch to go mm. and do things like either one beyond podcast or to become a media expert yeah so those that's a question that I get asked all the time too. And I I get to be the asshole and say, well, it really depends on what you're trying to do. (laughs) But here's what, here's the way I approach pitching, you know, and and a lot of other experts are going to say like, it's a relationship. You need to establish a relationship. I'm like, yeah, okay. Let's that's step number one, be a freaking human being. Okay. So like you are a human damn being, and that's a human being on the other end. Okay. Mm. I, and, and, uh, let's talk specifically about pitching to get on media because it's much the same as pitching to get on someone's podcast. I sat for however long of my life receiving crappy PR pitches after crappy PR pitches. And I would just bin them like, nope, 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 nope. So I'll tell you what got my attention when I was on the news desk as an anchor, a producer, a reporter. I did everything, right? Like my career, I did everything. If you can make it matter to me, so it comes back to what I said there, tell the truth and make it matter, right? The whole concept of PR, PR is based on pitching. Here's the basics of PR, right story, right person, right time. 
that mm-hmm. all hinges on that pitch mattering. So if you're sitting there going to hire a PR team or you're, you know, going to do your own, I'm going to say something that's going to come across as harsh, but, but holy mother of Jesus, <laughs> your product launch, your product launch is not a story. It is not no, news. It is not news. It is not PR worthy. You are going to waste money. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. Just stop. Right. If the you didn't hear time, her, she said, stop it. Well, <laughs> Cut it out. You're going you're gonna to waste time and money and you're not going to get the right kind of feedback. So when you're pitching, here's some of the things that I keep in mind is first of all, what is the story and how can I make it matter right now? So make it relevant to not only what's going on in the world, but the actual person on the receiving end. Again, you need to remember that you want to position it as a story. So the other day I was in one of the face, a Facebook group I'm in and a mastermind I'm in and one of the other members posted her, it was a podcast media kit and it was great. It was beautiful. It looked lovely. She had her picture, she had her logo and she had some stats about her. And then at the bottom, it says, here are the topics I can talk about. And I can't remember what they said, but it was like, let's pretend like women in finance, how to save money, how to get out of debt. Right. It was like very topical. And I, I said with love as a producer or somebody who is going to has a podcast would have you on my podcast. What I want to know is the stories you're going to tell. I don't want to know the topics you're going to talk about. So tell me, here's what I can tell you. I can tell you about the time my client dug herself out of debt while on maternity leave and her husband had been laid off. Ooh, talk about juicy. Tell Mm. me that. Tell me a story. Make it matter to me. Make me feel emotionally connected to why that matters, right? So think about your pitch in terms of a story. The other thing from a very strategic standpoint, because I love the strategy just as much, is always ask for feedback. So if you don't hear back, Mm. go back again for a second or third time. Journalists are busy. If you don't get in on the first try, you may get in on the second, you may get in on the third. And if they come back and say, you know, big fat no, ask them why. You will get so much intel. Like I'm in the middle of... it's actually kind of annoying, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a national campaign with a client and I'm actually doing part of the pitching and the production work with the producers nationwide. And I'm also hosting because it just aligns that I should be the host, but there's one news outlet where we have had to go back with the original pitch three times. So if you think that like the pros like me don't have to revise their pitch, we have to revise our pitches all the time. Mm-hmm. I find like people get really discouraged from basically, you know, crickets nobody they send out their pitch nobody wants to hear from them so they're like oh my god i suck i hate myself i hate what i'm doing i don't know what i'm doing oh no wait a minute your pitch might suck personally it might suck but it's not personal but if you ask at yeah. least you'll be able to get and i think that that's something that people w- don't do and that's that's something I don't do, right? Like, I'm like, why don't you love me? No, but why? <laughs> but then here's the other thing, too, is I'm often asked how I get such great testimonials because I do have great testimonials on my site is that when they do say yes, I ask them why they said yes. Why it. did you say yes to this pitch? Well, here's why. So then you know what works because part of the challenge mm. of, you know, this personal branding and storytelling is like, how do we quantify these kind of ineffable things about ourselves? You have to ask. You have to gather that data. So did you say no? Why'd you say no? Did you say yes? Why'd you say yes? But at the same time, it is that that why do you say no? It's like making yourself vulnerable to like whatever the person may say. They may say, mm-hmm. well, this was shit and that was shit. But at least you know, because we are like, if we are nothing but our lessons. But I never even thought to say, why did you ask people? Why did you say yes? Because then you can double down on that. 
And I love mm-hmm. that. Guys, I hope you're taking notes. Honestly, I don't know what else to do with you guys. It's here. All the, <laughs> all the nuggets and the juicy pieces are here. Hello, my lovelies. I hope you're listening closely because I'm about to come through with the juiciest of announcements. I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of Zoom learning and virtual connections. That is why I am so excited to announce that we have just opened applications for 25 badass women in business to join us in Miami in 2022 for the very first ever Momentum Personal Branding and Business Retreat. Yes, you heard me right. We go into Miami. But first, let's get something straight. This is not a raw, raw retreat or a conference. Momentum is a personal brand building experience. It's a three and a half day hands-on training where we get to work. I am partnering with some of the top experts in the game. I'm talking marketing, social media, PR, intellectual property, branding. And over the weekend together, we are going to show you how to position yourself as a captivating industry leader who gets those premium paying clients and aligned speaking opportunities without a huge following or hiring an expensive PR team. Basically, we about to bust your personal brand into the next stratosphere. Plus, you're going to enjoy a luxe venue with Miami vibes, get that decadent and swag bag filled with pampering and business goodies, pose for a stack of juicy new lifestyle headshots, and of course, mouth-watering eats and treats that demand to be shown over on the gram. My favorite part is I've created the juiciest personal brand playbook that you're going to be able to fill out on the spot so when you leave, you are ready to implement with strategy, confidence, and ease. So if you've been waiting for a sign that it's time to level up your presence and unleash your industry expertise, then this is the invitation that you have been waiting for. So here's the thing. We have limited spots available because we want to create this curated experience for every Every single one of you who get into that room. So once the spots are gone, they be gone. So if you know you want to be there, just visit bit.ly forward slash momentum retreat. Now let's get in to the episode. So talk to me about your new, newer venture, which is it, it's new in concept, but it's not like new in that, in terms of experience. But talk to me about the Story Studio Network, because when you told me about it, I was just like, this is so bossy. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. So tell people I, what this is about. I am a sacral generator. I'm a 2-4, if this means anything to anyone. I'm also a Sagittarius Capricorn cusp. So I am like the ultimate business strategist dreamer, which keeps me up at night. So let's just put, <laughs> let's just put that on the shelf with the, in the background. I could not get this itch out of my body. I mean, I left the newsroom seven years ago this week, actually. I submitted my resignation seven years ago this past Tuesday. And I remember that day in my body still because I shook, I cried, and I I went through a very, very, what I can now see as a long grieving process because I had devoted my literally my entire life to an industry that I felt was just not serving story anymore. And I, I quit after being asked multiple times to do stupid, dumb stuff on the on the anchor desk that I just didn't want to do. And I didn't think it helped anybody. So it, and it really came to blows. So I walked away. And I walked away without knowing what the F I was going to do. So I have a consultancy. It's great. And, it's, and I mean, things have worked out. I had to figure it out. But I couldn't get past this deep 
knowing that I was going to somehow come back and stick it to the big man, for lack of a better phrase, but but also like really reinvent the way that specifically audio is positioned as a power medium. Because here's what I know. I've worked in every medium and I've grown a digital business. I have a lifestyle blog. I am a skilled blogger podcaster, all the things. I've been podcasting since 2006. Oh, wow. My business grows when I podcast. Radio has more power than almost any medium for a couple of reasons. It's nimble. You can put it in your pocket. It can be where you are. It's always in your ears and it has a direct line. This is, you know, this gets me choked up, but radio has a direct line to, to your heart more mm-hmm. than your brain, more than TV. And it's proven in neuroscience when we listen we activate different parts of our brain than when we watch. It's just the way it is. And I have somehow always just in my blood known this. So I knew somehow I was going to come back to it. So fast forward, pandemic hits, I'm pregnant again, and we're renovating our kitchen and my business is growing and life is crazy town. And of course, I decide to start another business. Because my dad called me up and he's like, so, you know, Aaron, I got to tell you something. I've been producing these podcasts. He's kind of went into semi-retirement, but started producing podcasts as a hobby. And he's like, I had this show that got 300,000 downloads. Is that good? That's what he said. And I was like, I was like, hold the phone, daddy. Like, (laughs) wait a minute. You did what? You're like, people would kill kill other humans for 300,000 downloads. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, and I've always supported him, you know, it's so funny. Like he'll text me, be like, you got a minute to talk. And I'm like, this is going to be a 90 minute business development (laughs) call between me and my dad. But it, it came out that what we really decided to do is combine our experience. So combined, we have 65 plus years of broadcast experience, management experience, growing business experience, and very specifically audio experience. And when we did that and kind of told some people what we were doing, we're starting a production company. And not only that, a network that is going to do things differently. You come into our network, we help you figure out what your story is. We put you in a setting to allow it to shine. We break down some of, frankly, the stupid things that are being done and I see being done in the podcast world right now that are not serving the people who do podcasts. And we can talk about that in a second. Yes. And we produce a major market sounding show because nobody, I I don't know about you, but like nobody starts a podcast for it to sound like shit. I would hope not. Like that's one of my biggest pet peeves, right? And it's something that I try to, I made sure I hired a team so I didn't do this by myself, but like, yeah tough out yeah. there. Everyone's sorry. Everyone, cause there's this thing where they, where people are, other experts are saying, you know, you can start a podcast on the fly and just use an app no, and just no, do it wherever no. you are. And then it sounds like you're like, I can't, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what's going on. I can't hear the guests. It's too low. It's too echoey. It's too this. And they're like, no, this is just the, this is just podcasting. It's like, not no. really. No, it's not. So go back to what I said about a great story well told. It's that you got to be able to hear the story. It has to actually like create that tingle in your spine every once in a while because the audio is so damn good. So we really come at it with we are major market executive producers, talk show hosts, award-winning journalists. And we will come to you or you come to us as a C-suite executive, as a startup company, as an entrepreneur, and we will produce you a show. But not only that, because the strategy side of me is still here, is if you want to produce just a touchy-feely show about a great thing. I mean, we're doing a show right now called The 2030 Project, which is backed by the food bank in Toronto, where they're trying to end hunger, right? That's mm. their whole mission. So the whole the point of the show is to tell the stories of food insecurity and all of those things. It's a really cool project. But 
if you're a business owner, you come to us, we're going to look at this as how can we turn your podcast into a sales tool for you? How can we turn your podcast into something that's actually not just going to be this cute little thing that you do, but a companion to how your brand is effectively growing and activating your client base. So Story Studio Network is what came out of that. We started it in June. So you do the math. It's Mm -hmm. pretty fresh, but she's cooking along. She's cooking along right good, as they'd say out here. (laughs) Cooking along right good. Oh my God. I love that. And I feel like now we need to have an offline conversation about Monique's strategy because that, I totally agree that a lot of people are like, you know, should I start a podcast? Monique, you have a podcast and, you know, how has it been for you? And I'm like, it's been a lot of work. So it's rewarding. It's great. I, I can have these conversations, which, you know, I can ask people to come on the podcast who may not we may not have a regular conversation, but when I say come on the podcast, they're like, oh my God, yeah, let's do a podcast episode. So it's been super rewarding. I've always wanted to do it. I think it also fits with my personality and it fits with my brand. And I love that you said, you know, it's that thing that's in your pocket because I used to listen to a lot of podcasts and they, I feel like the people I listen to and binge listen to, it's like, I feel like I have a relationship with them. Like, I feel like I could meet you somewhere and we would be friends, even though you don't know who I am. And I thought that was such a powerful tool. That's why I wanted to have my own podcast. But making sure you're using it, like you were saying, just as a catalyst for your business, that takes planning before you go and hit record. Like there was a whole strategy that needs to have, especially for new business owners, especially for entrepreneurs who are like just doing it as a thing that they think they should have. Completely. And and here's one of the big kind of objections that, or not objections, but here's what we hear most often is, oh, I want to do a podcast, but it's just not the right time. Or I've been thinking about it, but it's too much time. And what actually is beneath that belief is that it, A, it's going to be a lot of work and B, that you have to commit to a weekly thing. So let me just like tell you what I'm seeing people doing wrong. Yes. A, is that you're looking at a podcast as it has to be weekly. I have multiple models within the studio network that prove otherwise. It does not. I have a podcast sales funnel. It's seven shows. I recorded it in two weeks. I put it up there. It sells my program for me. Wow. Imagine if you had something like that oh my God. and you had a producer help you do that. That could be your podcast. And what kind of a commitment is that? That's not weekly. That's not weekly. Here's the other kind of model that we have or objection we have is like, I've got nothing to say. And let's go back to, yes, you have stories. You just need to tell them better. So maybe you aren't the kind of orator like you are or like I am who can sit there and as my mother would say, fill dead air for 15 minutes with very little prompting because that is a skill and that's a certain Mm. individual who can do that. We'll put you in a room with a talk show host who has no agenda to overshadow you, whose only job is to guide you to being as brilliant as you are. That's just like, it, it kind of flips that script of how do I get interviewed by somebody awesome? Well, you get interviewed by somebody, by somebody awesome. awesome. <laughs> right? So that's how we've built the network because it's based on all of these mistakes I'm seeing business owners make when they approach the podcast. I asked a question in a Facebook group and it was an open-ended question. I said, I said, who, who here wants to start a podcast? Just let me know. And if so, why haven't you yet? And B, if you have, why did you do it? The number one response was, I, I can't commit because it's weekly. And I was like, well, I can show you how it doesn't have to be weekly. And then the number two response was, honest to God, it was, well, I'm just starting this podcast because I want to get into good conversations. 
to which my like physically I can feel this like in my core. I want to be like, why would you do that? Have great conversations that also grow your business. Mm. <laughs> like you're missing half of the equation. The reason Bell Media puts really provocative talk show hosts on their network, the reason CNN has provocative editorialists on their network is not just to create conversation. I hate to break it to you, but it's because they make them money. The strategy, people, the strategy comes first. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that. And the strategy. You could, you guys can't the see joke. her, but like in her body, she's just like, <laughs> what are you people doing? She's like, you can feel like the vibration. She's like, Oh my God, you will not believe this. But I, I love you that. You get me going, girl. I feel like I should hire you to interview me because every time we talk, I'm like, Oh, you ask such great questions. Like you're so good. I want to, yeah. I want you to hire me and I'm going to hire you. And we're both okay. going to just be like these electric, like fire bobs on the radio. Be like, listen, you guys have no idea what you're about oh, we, to do. We would light ish. Oh, I so know. Good. Okay. So I know. Let's put it on the vision board. Put it on the list. Put it on the list. Put it on the list of all the million things we said we were going to do together. So one thing I want to talk like, okay. So you've given so many juicy pieces, but there is, there is something that, okay. So you, I love your Instagram. I love watching you on Instagram. I love your stories. I love the showing of the behind the scenes, but we did talk a little bit early days around Pinterest and just like the power. Like, I would love if you just connect some of the dots for, okay, I'm going to say, guys, this is the selfish question. I don't care what you guys think, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I want you, can you connect the dots between like podcasting, your social media, maybe even your Pinterest accounts, like you call it the unsung hero and how that works with the business piece, because you do that so brilliantly. And I would love if people could kind of just understand like how some of these pieces work together and support one another. Okay. So first thing that I will say is that I don't ever look at those things. I think I look at them atypically. So Instagram, podcasting, Pinterest, the way I look at them is that those all represent different audiences. And I think that that's my radio journalist brain. I don't look at them Mm. as apps. So people will come to me and be like, how do I over, like, how do I work the Pinterest app? How do I do Pinterest? I'm like, well, what, what you're really asking me is how do I connect with the audience on Pinterest? So, so just that slight little reframe can really Mm. help you understand if it's right for you. The context that we were talking about Pinterest is because (laughs) when I decided to quit the newsroom, it was because I had started this lifestyle blog off the side of my desk because I hated talking about murder and politics every day. And I wanted to talk about something fun. So I did it and it grew and grew and grew. And I learned how to like organically attract a crap ton of traffic, like just through sheer hard knocks, figuring shit out on my own. 10 years later, that site still makes me like a very decent income. It pays my team. And I do nothing, basically. The the background of me understanding how to use content to attract goes back very far in terms of the digital space. One of the key things we use on that site is Pinterest. Now, is Pinterest going to work for everybody? Should everybody be using Pinterest to grow their business? No. We look at it as a supporting distribution service. So... If you already have amazing pillar content, if you already have, for example, a blog, a podcast, even to a certain extent, a really strong lead magnet, 
Pinterest strategically, we look at as a a way of distributing the content. So Mm. it's always a secondary thing. All of this said, Pinterest just went through like this crazy change in the last two months. So I don't know if they're coming or going anymore. It's still working for us, but we're seeing a lot of kind of mixed results on the platform right now, just from a distribution standpoint. But I don't know if that answered your question. As soon as you said that thing about like they're going through a transition, I was like, wait a second. I plan to spend a few days during my break in December to like basically master the platform. And you're like, wait, you're going through changes. I'm like, that's annoying because I just got great beef changes. Right before you and I hopped on, I was in my Instagram. I got a message from Instagram, from Facebook saying, I've, what did I do? I violated a copyright. And if you want to dispute this, hit here. And I'm like, is this a bot? Is this real? Am I in trouble? I was just like, I'm so tired of, I mean, Pinterest doesn't have a history of this, but Instagram has the history of like, of recent they're just they change their they change their platform like they change like i change my underwear like every five minutes it's a new oh, something no. P- pinterest changes as much pinterest really changes just as much like oh, that's annoying yeah yeah, yeah. they they <laughs> i was putting them on a pedestal come on no no it's a very different cat i mean the thing to know about pinterest is it's not social media it's a search engine so your approach to it has to be very different the audience therefore I say the audience on Pinterest acts like a screaming toddler versus on Instagram where they act like a moody teenager. So you kind of got to be more energetically like connected to fast wins. Like I know you, you don't, I, I currently have a toddler who has like learned to tantrum just this past week. And oh, I'm gosh. like, Oh yeah, this is what this is like. So you have fast wins, fast wins or like big, 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 big losses. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> Yeah. So would I be putting all my eggs in the Pinterest basket right now? No. Would I put a couple? Okay. Yeah, I would. That's good to know. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. So I was ready to like, yeah. I'm so ready to like slap Instagram over the head and be like, I hate you. I'm moving on to Pinterest. Take that as if Instagram gives two shits what Monique does over on that platform. Like take that. Uh. But you did answer my question because you said like Pinterest is, you know, it's a search engine and you're using it more as a distribution channel, which is different, yes. right? Also looking at each of these platforms as different audience versus apps, which is really important. Yeah. And I think just that reframe yeah. is important for people to understand. You're going to behave differently on the different platforms. You're going to interact differently. You're going to show up differently. And that takes work. But knowing it has you have the advantage, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Yes. The medium is the message. Or as some have said, McLuhan actually said, is the medium is the massage. Mm. There's debate over what he said. Message or massage. <laughs> but it's funny either way. <laughs> Like, because I think he meant if he said massage, it was like that the medium is what is like massaging you into a certain type of behavior. So when you're watching TV, it's very passive. When you're taking video in, it's very passive. When you're listening to audio, it's massaging different parts of your brain. There is some school of thought that what Marshall McLuhan actually said is the medium is the massage, but it sounds very like, (laughs) it's very smart though, which totally makes sense. Yeah. So the last thing I want to look at is you talk about presence. I mean, presence is everything to me, right? Like I'm just like, if you don't have a presence that captures my attention, I've already moved on, but that could just be my own thing. But presence via podcasting, I'd love if you shared a little bit about that because there's nothing worse than listening to a podcast. Someone has a guest on and they don't know how to, and and you can, you can tell me like, you know, whose job is it to bring that out? And is there any way as the person being interviewed, we can show up differently via podcasting? Yeah. So 
I think the key, here's the key, and I'll, I'll share this in the easiest way I can express it, is that back to the medium is the massage. When you're on a podcast, <laughs> you're on a podcast, the phrase I like to use is you are making eye contact with an audience you cannot see. Whether you are the host and the interviewer, the owner of the podcast, the, the steer in the ship, or you're the guest, think about the medium you're on. That is going to be your guide to having presence. When you are creating audio content, your audience is listening. So your job when you are being interviewed is to also listen. You need to listen to what the other person says. The biggest mistake I see with with amateur interviewers is that they get so caught up in what they've written on their notes, what questions they want to ask, that they miss the opening to ask the better question. Right. And usually Mm. the story comes out with the second thing that comes to mind. It's not the first question you ask. It's often the follow up question. And if you are so caught up in what your interview script says, you're going to miss all of that. You're Mm. not going to leave room for that story to really come out. So as the interviewer, you need to be listening as the person being interviewed. Now, this is something I had to get used to because I was the interviewer for so long. It's actually anticipating the energy of where that person wants to go. So you and I know each other fairly well. So I kind of like already knew that we could wend and weave our way through this. But if, for example, I could tell that that person was really stuck and rigid, I would give them openings and I'd say, let me tell you a story and here's why. And really kind of pull them back into what I'm saying so that maybe they'll ask me a follow-up question. I'll re-engage them to listen more intently and like lose the script. So I think having presence, especially in audio, really involves listening. And like, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm working on a project right now. We're talking to a lot of Canadian veterans who have been transitioned from the military into civilian employment. And on the best of days, interviewing someone from the military is a challenge because they're not trained to be verbose. They don't talk a lot. So that requires intense listening on my part to really get them to open up and and give me the true story that they're trying to tell. But it also, you know, it's a two-way street, I guess is what I'm saying. You both Mm. have to be listening. So it all, that's, that's really the, the key is the listening people. The key is the listening. And I I like that you were, you were talking about making eye contact with an audience you can't see. That's juicy. I like Mm -hmm. that. Always Mm -hmm. keeping that in the back of your mind will definitely have you show up differently. As you were talking about, you know, drawing out stories from people who don't usually, you know, that's not in their nature to do. I was just curious if somebody wants to get better like when I hear you speak, I can tell you're a journalist, like in terms of you're just like, the words are so perfect. Like the way they're, sp- I don't know how to explain it. People Like when people listen to me, like when I go back and listen to me, I say some crazy shit sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't even make any sense. And my husband will be like, he's very good with the words. Okay. So he's like, what did you say? He's like, that didn't make any sense. That word didn't belong there. It's stuff like that. He'll be like, I'll say so. He'll be like, that's not that word. That word's not right. I was like, he's like, you gotta get the words right. I was like, I don't know. Sometimes I talk so fast. Sometimes I know the words. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I jump over my words, but I do want to get better. So do you have any, is it like, like any exercises or tips you have on just like being able to enunciate and talk and speak better, present better? I would love, yeah. a, I'd love a good tip here because I oh feel my like God. it's yeah. getting worse. I actually. <laughs> okay. So I do, I have a couple. These are fun. These are fun. I don't know if we can do them here, but 
the most important thing is breathing. So as women, I think probably most of your listeners are women. (sighs) We really tend to speak with the top half of our head. And that's not a slight, it's actually biology. We tend to do that. It can also be a signal of us internally not feeling super confident. So you'll mm-hmm. notice that when I am on mic in particular, I make a conscious effort. It's, it's, it's unconscious now. It's been so long. I drop my voice into my chest on purpose. Mm. So I resonate down here. What that does for us as women is it actually projects more authority. And I used to be the one in the newsroom that, that the news director would send the interns to. And he'd say, okay, Aaron, here's an intern, break them in. <laughs> and I'd have to like teach them how to get their voice out of their nose. Like speak with your chest. chest. Speak, speak with, with your chest. chest. And the best way to do that, and this is silly, is like, you know, when nobody's home or if everybody's home, it doesn't matter. Stand up really nice and tall. Take a deep breath, deep belly breath, like stick your belly out while you're breathing. And then shout and envision your shout as a physical thing hitting the wall across from you. And imagine the shout coming from your ankles. So you're pulling the shout from your ankles up through your body, out your mouth, and then hitting the wall like Wonder Woman, right? That's going to activate that part of your body that you need to feel resonant. And I know it's crazy. I don't I'm already doing shout. it, guys. I'm like, you know, can't see me. I'm like sitting up in my chair. And I was like, welcome to the Juicy CEO Podcast. Yes. You want to shout, not actually shout, but that's how you get the, that's how you get the juices flowing. And when we used to do it, we used to just go like, ah, we would just shout like, like we were being murdered. Like that's, it would be just us shouting at the walls. So try that. The other one from a very, uh, from a delivery standpoint that I like is, you know, I have a big red dog. So I, you know, pick, pick your favorite book, open the book to a page, find a short sentence. I have a big red dog. 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 Do that over and over and over and over again. When I was 14, I have a tape of me doing it sitting in my closet because I had a walk-in closet. I don't know how I managed to get that room in the house, but I did. And I did that over and over again because I was a nerd and I liked the sound of words. Oh my God, I love that. But it teaches you how to use words to emphasize things without changing the script or having to over explain things. So when I say to you, I have a big red dog or I have a big red dog, you know what to focus mm. on. The big oh, red. Oh my God. I love this. I love it. I love it. I just want to do media training with you all day. I want everyone else to go away. And we're just going to do media training. I was like, what else should I do? We're going to shout at the walls. Maybe can we drink a little? Can we have some mojitos? Oh my shout God. Now, walls. and then we have to record it then. Like, because it, <laughs> Monique and Monique is such a lightweight. Like, honestly, one, I speak to about myself in the third person and one drink and there'll be Monique has a three big red dogs. Like it's going to be a shit show. So fun. So much fun. Oh my gosh. gosh. This has been amazing, Erin. I so appreciate having you here. I would love it if before we go, is there anything super juicy that you'd like to share with the audience that you're working on right now? I mean, you have a lot of things going on, but anything Mm -hmm. that you'd like to share that you're super happy about that you're like, oh my God, even if it's not, it doesn't even have to be business related. It could just be like my, you know, my toddler had a tantrum and I, it only lasted (laughs) one minute versus eight. Yes. That's like every three minutes. Yeah. There's a lot going on. So we did just open up my new mentorship program. So you can find out details of of that at AaronTrafford.com. And you can check out that really fun seven episode podcast. If you just mm. want to listen, yes, juicy juiciness in there. And I have a regular podcast called Permission to Leap. So we've just revived that for season two. If you want to have a listen to that, you'll get lots of Traffordisms in your brain. And I subscribe or a share. Yeah. I mean, and if you've liked this, just just reach out like at it's dot Aaron Trafford on Instagram. I'm a real human. Remember? So we'll chat. <laughs> She's a real human. Remember? 
Yeah. You can reach her. She's reachable. Thank you so much, Erin. I so appreciate all of this. There were so many questions I had that are really my own personal questions, but I also know like tons of women who are listening needed to hear this. I know a lot of my clients are just getting new into media, getting on podcasts, things like that. So you just delivered all of the juice for them today. So thank you so much for being here. If you enjoy this episode, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss the juice every single week. And if you thought this episode was super juicy, it would mean the world if you gave it a five-star rating and left a review over on iTunes so I could keep bringing the juice to more people who need it. And if you want to win some juicy swag, I want you to take a screenshot of this episode from wherever you're listening, then post it to your stories and tag me over on Instagram at Monique Brian underscore co. That's Brian with a Y and you will automatically be entered to win. Until next time, my lovelies, keep building that brand over a business and raising your juicy CEO status.